All right, all right. On September 22nd, 1862, President Abraham Lincoln issued a proclamation which began, On the first day of January in the year of our Lord, 1,863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States, shall then thenceforward and forever be free. The Union would have to fight for many months before the slaves in the South could claim their freedom. Booker T. Washington was nine when the emancipation reached his plantation in southwest Virginia, a day he recalled in his autobiography, Up From Slavery. The most distinct thing that I now recall in connection with the scene that was some man who seemed to be a stranger, a United States officer, I presume, made a little speech and then read a rather long paper, the Emancipation Proclamation, I think. After the reading, we were told that we were all free and we could go when and where we pleased. My mother, who was standing by my side, leaned over and kissed her children while tears of joy ran down her cheeks. And she explained to us what all this meant. That this was the day which she had been so long praying for, but fearing that she would never live to see it. The rejoicing was brief. There was great rejoicing about this news. Can you believe this? Just in the mid-1800s, there was slavery going on in this nation. And there's this proclamation that the slaves are free. They're free. And there's rejoicing. And then all of a sudden, the weight of responsibility was felt by many African-American slaves concerning having to plan life for themselves. The, the education of their children, their living, the, their citizenship, establishment and support of churches. And there was a feeling of deep gloom that seemed to pervade the slave quarters. The good news of freedom was proclaimed, was declared, it was rejoiced in. But then there was this reality of responsibility and new life. How now shall we live as free people? How now shall we use the freedom that we have in this country? This was a powerful moment in our history. And for us as Christians, it's something that we have experienced as well. The Lord Jesus has brought freedom to us. He has proclaimed freedom. He died for our freedom. He came to set the captives Free, And we are declared to be free in Christ Jesus. But you see, there needs to be a transformation on the inside of us. And a reckoning ourselves to be free. To be dead to sin. To be alive to God and be free. And we must walk in this freedom that God has given us. You see, there were many, many slaves... That after the brief celebration, many former slaves returned to the fields to continue servitude as sharecroppers. Though officially free to go anywhere, 
little changes for them in a practical sense. Legal emancipation merely presented slaves with the opportunity to live as free men and women, turning their legal status into an actual experience that would require an internal transformation. Those who found this challenge too daunting chose the uncomfortable familiarity with slavery instead. How many Christians, when I read this and I think about this, how many Christians have been made free in Christ Jesus? They've been declared free. They're they're new creation. They've been delivered from sin's power, sin's penalty and sin's power. And yet they choose to play around with sin and let sin affect and influence their lives. I have good news for you all this morning, we are free. Amen. We are free to serve the living God, to love Him, to walk with Him. We are free to be who God's called us to be, free to live without guilt and shame and fear and condemnation. We are free to walk in the newness of life. We are free to enjoy the good gifts of grace that God bestows upon us. And this is what Romans chapter 6 is about. Last week, we talked about justification and the effects of justification on our lives. When, when God declares somebody to be justified, righteous, forgiven, and He accounts the righteousness of Jesus to their life. That is a core gospel truth that every one of us must get if we're going to walk in the freedom that we have. If we're going to walk in freedom from guilt, from shame, if we're going to know that our sins are forgiven, we need to grasp the truth of justification by faith alone. Okay, we need to get that. But then the question the question to be asked is, how shall we live now that we're forgiven? Like God, God, does he, does he just sweep our sins under the rug and, and let a criminal go back to his old ways? I mean, it, it seems scandalous that God, the perfect judge, could, uh, the righteous judge, just judge, could just, just let a criminal go free. Right? But he does. He does. And you know what? The power of grace not only pardons the guilty sinner, the criminals, you and I who've broken the law of God, but it empowers us to live holy and godly lives in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Romans chapter six, if you would stand with me, we're going to read Romans chapter six together. And actually, if you would read with me. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. 
For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of righteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought up from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will not have dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. And all God's people said... Amen. We can shout for that truth. Amen. You may be seated. So here's the big idea. Here's where we're going. In Romans chapter 6 today, Christians possess a new life, identity, and status in Christ Jesus that should lead them to a new way of living. We have a new life, a new status, a new identity in Christ Jesus that should change the way that we live. Because of what Christ has done, there are, dom- there are effects, domino effects upon our lives that influence us to righteousness and godliness and holiness because of what Christ has done in our hearts, in our lives. Amen. So last week I talked about uh, being justified by faith in Romans chapter 5. And I, I used the example of my running with the law with the city of Arlington. And I thought that my tickets and warrants had just somehow gone away. That they had somehow vanished like, like time forgave my, my wrongdoing with the city of Arlington. Let me just say this. Time does not forgive sin. <laughs> time does not forgive sin. Don't think that because you did something way long time ago... That time just kind of washes it away. All right? A penalty still has to be paid. I had to sit some time in jail. The only time I've ever been in jail. I sat some time in jail and I had to pay off the warrants that I had in the city of Arlington because I broke the law. Thank God Jesus has paid our fine. All right? We deserve the death penalty because of our sin. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus has taken our place and we who've put faith in Jesus are declared right with him. And that is a one-time thing that happens. That happens the moment we put our faith in Christ. We have a new status, legal status before God. Whether you feel like you're forgiven or not, as a Christian, you have that. If you consciously put your faith in Jesus, God says, you're righteous and you get the righteousness of Jesus. OK, and so you have that before God by faith. And so what happens is a lot of new Christians, they, they tend to muddy up and mix up this idea of being justified and this idea of being sanctified, justification and sanctification. So in the book of Romans, we see kind of how they work together and how sanctification That is the process of being made holy and righteous and godly in our practice, in our living. Uh, The sanctification is built on the foundation of justification. It's built on the, the, the foundation of having been united with Christ, having have 
uh, by grace, made, being made a new person in Christ Jesus. See, over and over in the Bible, the Apostle Paul and even Jesus does this. Uh, you know, God will remind people of who they are. He'll tell them, this is who you are. You were once darkness. Now you are light. And the Lord walk as children of light. Jesus said, uh, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Let your light shine before men. All right. So God, as Christians, he tells us who we are. This is who you are now. Live like it, sons and daughters. Live like people who've been set free. Live like it. Let it show in your life. So, so Paul has to answer this question in verse 1 because he just, he, he talks about the, the radicalness of the message of grace. The scandalous grace of God that God would forgive guilty sinners. That God being a just God would justify guilty sinners. So I, th- I think we all got to wrestle with that at some point. Like how can that happen? Because Jesus took our place, right? And so after Paul in, in, in Romans chapter 520, he says that, that where sin abounds, sin increases, grace abounds much more. Okay, so, so the logic, Paul knows what's going to happen. Paul knows that people are going to object and they're going to say, this cannot be, this is false teaching because you're teaching people to have license to sin and live however they want. And there are many people who take Christianity and the message of Christianity to live licentious, ungodly lives. And that is not at all what God intends for his people to do with grace. You see, grace provides not only pardon from our sin forever, pardon, forgiven, righteousness, declared upon your life. But it also provides power for you and I to be who God has called us to be and do what he's called us to do. You see, if we mix up sanctification and justification and we think, well, well, you know, I got to I got to work and I got to work to be justified and have this right status with God. Then we will we'll wear ourselves out and we don't understand the gospel. We don't understand the truth of the gospel that we're under grace, that we're not under the law. That should lead us one to, to be relieved of our guilt and condemnation. But it should also lead us to live godly and holy lives. Verse 14, it says, For sin will not have dominion over you since you are not under the law, but you're under grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. This should be refreshing to our souls, being reminded of this. You see, you and I are under new management. We're under new management. Okay, I'm sure many of us have had experiences where we went to a restaurant or a retail place and maybe the service was bad. But then the next time you went it like it changed. It was like they were much more friendly. They were much more kind. It was it was well done. It was cleaner. And you and you took note that there was a sign that said under new management. Oh, that makes sense. There's a new manager running things around here, so it's a lot better. Or maybe you've seen it go, go the other way. All right. So new management came in and that restaurant, that Tex-Mex rest, restaurant that you just love to go to after church is no longer the, the one you're going to go to after church anymore. Right. OK, so Christians, you and I are now under new management. We are not under the law and we're not under sin's dominion. But we are under grace. We are under the authority and the lordship of our our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Okay? He is the owner. He's the manager. He calls the shots. He cleans us up. He makes us acceptable. So we're under new management in Christ Jesus. If, if you as a Christian are struggling with sin, as we read this text and we talk about freedom and we talk about victory over sin, I don't want to give the impression to anybody here that Christianity is, is a life of perfection in our, pro, in our practice. Because this whole idea of sanctification really is a process. Justification is a one-time thing that happens. It's a pronouncement over our lives through faith alone, by the grace of God alone. Okay, but, but there's something that we need to know. In this passage, Paul tells us, this is something, Christians, you need to know if you're going to live godly. If you're going to live holy, if you're going to grow in being sanctified as Jesus prayed for. Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. There's a doctrine that you need to know. There's a truth, a gospel truth that you need to know. You need to know the reality that, Christian, you died with Christ. You died with Christ. Okay? Now, I know that this is, may seem abstract and may seem a little bit difficult to wrestle with. But let me just tell you this. This is something that will, that will arm you to fight against sin and get victory over sin in your life. This is something that has helped me. To know that I died with Christ and to know that I've been united with Christ, to know that I've been justified in Christ Jesus. So as a young man, I remember um, I, I was probably 19, 20 years old, uh, living off of Lower Greenville with a friend of mine. Uh, we were roommates there and had an apartment off of Lower Greenville. And I remember having a particular sin struggle in that season of my life. And I longed for righteousness in my life and holiness to be displayed. I love Jesus. I was genuinely saved. I was a new Christian walking with the Lord for a few years. I was worshiping God. I was witnessing. I was getting in the word a lot. I was going to lots of Bible studies, lots of church meetings. I was just, if it had Jesus to do with it, I was there, right? I was all about Jesus. But you know what? I had some sin struggles. I had some flesh that needed to be dealt with. I had a battle still going on as a Christian. I had been made right with God. I had been born again. I had been brought into the family of God and nothing was going to change that. I have, I, I have a, had a secure and do have a secure place in the family of God. But I was feeling condemned about my failure to live in holiness and to present my body as instruments of righteousness to God. And I remember often I would I would feel guilty for days and feel ashamed and, and just discouraged and just kind of I, I feel like I had to uh, carry the weight of my guilt for a few days before I could actually have confidence again before God and before people and just be free to be myself. And I remember laying on the ground and God brought me to Romans chapter four. OK, and, and, and the, the truth in Romans 4, that, that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He was made right. Okay? And God just kind of illuminated that to me. And it, it, all of a sudden, it set me free. It set me free from carrying the guilt that I was feeling over my sin. It set me free of going another couple of days, walking around with shame and guilt over my life. 
Because I realize right now, in this moment, I'm righteous whether I feel like it or not. I have peace with God. I have the smile of God on my life, the favor of God. I stand in grace before the Father. And you know what? Something broke there. Something broke in my sanctification process. Something Ground was gained for, for the glory of God and me being more like Jesus that, that day. Okay, because I realize the work of Christ is finished and I don't have to add anything to it. And I can't. It's finished. All I need to do is simply trust in what he's done. Right. And that's there. I died with Christ. My old life with Christ is buried and gone. I'm a new creation in Christ. Now I need to like live like it, act like it, believe it, know it. God bless you. Bless you again. Double blessings on you. So shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No way. By no means. We died to sin. Know this, Christian. You died to sin. How can you live in it again? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in the Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him in with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of of the father we too might walk in the newness of life okay this has to sink in for us this has to this has to get here we need to know this we need to believe this and then we need to live this and walk in this this truth okay the indicatives of what christ has done for us should lead to us obeying the imperatives of what god demands of us Let's say that again. The indicatives of what Christ has done and what he says about us should lead us to walk into the imper- walk in obedience to the imperatives that God demands of us. He demands us to live holy, godly and righteous. But all that is based on and built upon the foundation of what Christ has done for you and I. Amen. Amen. Don't mix up your sanctification with your justification. Actually, let me let me say something about that. Westminster Catechism uh, highlights the connection between justification and sanctification. And it, uh, question 77, it says, wherein do justification and sanctification differ? Although sanctification be inseparably joined with justification, yet they differ in that God in justification imputeth the righteousness of Christ. And sanctification of his spirit infused in sanctification of his spirit infused grace and enableth to exercise thereof and the former sin is pardoned and the other it is subdued. Okay. Sorry about the King James language there. I know we're not used to that. So let me just break that down. Just try to simplify that a little bit. Okay, we have not only pardon for our sin, but we have power to walk in victory over our sin. We have not only God saying you're righteous and in, in, in accounting that to our lives, but we are imparted and given righteousness to walk in by the power of the Holy Spirit. He leads us into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we need to know that we've died with Christ and then walk in the newness of life. Verse five, we need to know that we've been united with him. Uh, and that, that we've been crucified. Verse six, we know that our old self was crucified with him. You guys know that old spiritual, that old hymn? We sing it uh, around Easter time, Good Friday. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? 
Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, that's no, not right. I'm messing it up. Sometimes it makes me want to tremble. Yeah, I was, I was like expecting somebody to help me out here. The simple song just has a tricky melody there. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And Christian, according to Paul, you and I were there. We were crucified with Christ. We died with him. We've been identified with Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. We died. And now we have a new identity. We're new people. Okay? Christ is all around us. He's in us. He's all around us. It's all about him and living for his glory. We've been crucified with Christ. This is something we need to know. This is something in our fight against sin. Okay? Struggling with your pride, your anger. Struggling with lack of self-control or laziness or lust, with fear, whatever the sin is. You need to go back to this rock-solid foundational truth that you are united with Christ. You died with Christ. And you, you can pray this. You can declare this. You can stand upon this truth. I died with Christ. And Paul said it in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and He gave Himself for me. Okay? This is beautiful. And we can fight and make war against sin with this gospel truth that we died with Christ. So here's a, here's a little chart by Warren Wearsby to help us kind of uh, make some sense of this. Because I, I understand that... that this text is something that you need to chew on. I don't expect everybody to just completely get this and this to be super clear this one time because I'm preaching on it. This is something that I've gone back to over and over and over. And a text that I've used, Romans 6, 7, and 8 are great as you're seeking to be holy and righteous and live like it. They're great places to camp out on and just get inside of you. Memorize, meditate, declare, talk about, flesh out. What does this mean? So uh, Romans, Romans 3, 21 through uh, 5, 21. Uh, so Christ is our substitution. He died for me. Romans 6 uh, through 8 is uh, there's identification. I died with him. Okay. Uh, Romans 3 uh, through 5. Uh, he died for my sins. Six through eight, he died unto sin. Uh, three through five, he paid sin's penalty. Six through eight, he broke sin's power. Uh, three through five, justification, righteousness imputed and put into my account. Romans six through eight, sanctification, righteousness imparted, made a part of my life. Three through five, we were saved by his death. Six through eight, we were saved by his life. This is gospel truth for us to meditate on, to chew on, to pursue holiness with. We have been set free. We have, the power of sin is broken. You and I don't have to obey sin's lure anymore. We ha- we're under new management. We have a new master. Okay? And so this is something that we need to consider to be true, whether you feel it or not. We need to know it. And you need to consider it to be true. Another uh, translation says, reckon it. Anybody still use that word? I reckon. I reckon. I reckon we'll do that. 
and, and, and this isn't to be like said with uncertainty. This is, there should be certainty in this. Consider it to be so. Uh, there's a passage in Romans chapter 4 about Abraham uh, who considered Romans 4.18. God says of, of Abraham, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of the, of the God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. And hope, believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations. Uh, verse uh, 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief, made him waver concerning the promise of God. He drew strong, he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God, saints, because that's what God says about you. Believe that. Agree with God about that, whether you whether you feel it or not. And this is not like some like mental gymnastics with ourselves. This is not like tricking ourselves to believe something that's not true. F.F. Uh, F. Bruce says that this is no game of let's pretend. Believers should consider themselves to be what God, in fact, has made them. What does God say about you? Do you agree, Christian, with what God has said about you? Or are you in some kind of false humility saying, well, no, I'm not really that. I'm not really the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't feel like it, right? Okay, if God says it, agree with him, okay? How much more pride can we have to disagree with God? Huh? Okay, I think there's a lot of folks in false humility who say things about themselves that aren't true. We still, we still sin, right? So... Uh, this is not teaching sinless perfectionism. Okay, I just I want to make that clear here today. As I, I don't believe that in this life we're going to obtain some status of being completely sinless in our practice. Okay, as, as I read the scripture, I see that there is going to be a struggle and a fight and a war on sin until we see Jesus and the presence of sin is forever removed from us. Amen? Amen. What a glorious day that will be. Amen. We long for that day. We put our hope in God and his grace that is to be brought to us on that day. He's going to wipe every tear from our eye. No more injustice. No more pain. No more sickness. No more sorrow. No more death. Okay. That's the kingdom coming. The kingdom has come and the kingdom will come. And in this passage, in Romans 6, Paul uses the same kind of logic of this already, not yet. We have been united with him, and we will be united with him. We haven't yet received our resurrection bodies yet. Okay, I, I can look out, and I, I, know, I know many, all of you, just by looking at your bodies, have not received your glorious body yet. All right, and vice versa. You can look at me, too. All right. But one day we're going to get those. We're going to get we're going to be resurrected like Jesus. And you know what? That resurrection power and life isn't just something that's out there for us, but it's already here for us to walk in this newness of life in Christ Jesus. We're made new. Now we got to live like it, think like it, talk like it. 
man, this is, this is exciting, isn't it? I mean, especially if you spent years of your life wasted under the bondage of sin. Sin was your master. And you're dominated, whether it was addiction, whether it was unforgiveness and bitterness, or whether it was fear or whatever the bondage was. When you get a taste of freedom, it feels good. That's why we can sing with enthusiasm and joy. And we can kind of let go in worship of God like the woman who, uh, who was at Jesus' feet. She poured out her savings on Jesus because she had been forgiven of so much. You know, when, when, when the gospel of grace sinks in your life, it, you should be an extravagant worshiper. And re- responding to the greatness and the beauty of his sacrifice for us, his love for us. So we need to know that we've, we died with Christ, we've been crucified with Christ, and we need to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Now there were some verses here on baptism. I want to put a plug in here because I know there's a couple people in here that are probably ready for baptism. Okay, water baptism is what I'm talking about here. Okay, Now, I think when I teach a baptism class, I point to these verses as verses that explain the meaning behind water baptism. Getting dunked in some water does not save you, and it does not wash away your sins, and does not make you a new person. But there's a spiritual reality that Paul is talking about here in baptism. Okay? Uh, and, and baptism, I think he refers to kind of the, the whole conversion experience, which involves repentance, involves faith, it involves receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? When all those things are happening or have happened in your life, then the next step should be get water baptized. Uh, if you've got a fiancé or you've got a, a girlfriend or boyfriend and you guys love each other and you know you want to be together for the rest of your life, then get married. Put a ring on it, as, uh, as one, one uh, singer says. Put a ring on it, all right? Get married. And you know what? Baptism is kind of like that. It's kind of like the symbolism of a wedding ring and a wedding ceremony, an exchange of vows. And in baptism, you're saying, my life is yours, Jesus. I died. I died with you. And I'm going to be resurrected with you. And I will walk in this newness of life with you now. I've died. I've been buried with you. Death, burial, resurrection. Baptism is an identification with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's profound. It's kind of like sealing the deal, if you will. It's kind of like saying, okay, this is it. Let's do it. And it's publicly proclaiming your faith and your commitment to Jesus before witnesses. We should do a baptism today, huh? Ah, I'm sure somebody needs to get baptized up in here. Okay, so know that you died with Christ. Consider yourself to be uh, dead to sin and alive to God. We're under new management. And lastly, uh, 12 uh, through 14, let not sin reign in your mortal body to make your body obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Present yourselves to God as those who've been brought back from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will not have dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. So lastly here, present your lives, yourselves, your entire being to God. 
Give your life to him. Give your body to him. This is, as Paul says in Romans 12, this is your reasonable act of worship. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, I exhort you, I urge you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Give yourselves completely to God. If Jesus gave himself completely for us and loved us fully and perfectly, isn't it appropriate for us to, in response to his great mercy and grace and sacrifice for us in our place, to respond in worship of him, giving our lives as a sacrifice, to follow him, to walk with him, to love him, present your members as instruments of righteousness because you belong to God. You're under new management. Live like it. Talk like it. Think like it. Let God reign as king in your life. Let Jesus occupy every area of your house, every area of your heart. I mean, just imagine if Jesus wants to come over to your house right now. Is your house clean? Are there closets? Are there rooms? Are there uh, as like right now we, we have boxes that still need to be unpacked. We just moved in recently. Uh, are, are there areas would you say that you would say, no, Jesus, don't go in there. It's not ready yet. Don't go in there. Let me clean it up first. Let me clean it up first. You know what? Let him in there because you need his help to clean it up. Let him in there because you need his help to clean it up. And you know what? One of the awesome things about Christianity, it's not just it's not just pardon for our sin and forgiveness of our sin, but it's power to walk in victory over sin. It's freedom from sin's dominion in our lives. And we and this is God working in us to will and to do his good pleasure. Okay, Uh, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, it says, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, notice it doesn't say work for your salvation. Okay, that's what will happen if you mix up sanctification and justification. You're going to you may try to work for your salvation. Right. But he says, work out. Your salvation with fear and trembling for God works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. This is the key to sanctification. It's not just you picking yourself up by your bootstraps and willing holiness to come into your life and just deciding I'm going to be holy. Okay, a decision needs to happen. A decision needs to happen. But you know what? Being holy isn't does not rest merely on your willpower and ability to make disciplined decisions. It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. That's why Paul in Romans chapter 8, expounding on sanctification and, and the, the work of the Spirit in our life, he says, Romans eight thirteen. he says, put to death, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the flesh. Okay, verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We have a new power, a new resource to rely on, to fight sin, to make war on sin, to mortify sinfulness in our lives. 
We have a new ability. And that's, that's great. That's living in grace, living under the realm of grace, under the management of grace. Grace enables us to be who God's called us to be and do what he calls us to do. Grace not only saves us, but he sanctifies us. And we grow in this grace and we become more and more like Jesus. As we sang this morning, don't you long for that? I bet your wife or husband your longs for that in, in you. I bet your kids long for that in you. Become more like Jesus, more loving, more joyful, more kind, more patient. It'll be, it'll be all the good for you and your family to become more like Jesus. Amen? So Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, uses an illustration to describe this idea of uh, not obeying sin and, and Satan and, and, and having this new status. And he describes uh, there being two fields, okay? And every person is in one field or another. One is dominated by Satan. There's a large brick wall that you can't get over by yourself. You can't scale. So there's, there's Satan's domain and then there's Christ's domain. And when you become a Christian, you're brought over to Christ's domain, okay? You're a new creation. Jesus reigns in you in righteousness, Okay? But still, as a Christian, at times, we could hear that old voice of the enemy telling us to obey sin. And perhaps out of, out of an old habit and, 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 and just habits formed that you're on the other side, you're in the new camp, you're obeying that voice of sin. Satan. You don't have to obey that voice anymore. You don't have... To do those drugs that you used to do. You don't have to think those thoughts that you used to think. You don't have to live the way that you used to live. You're free now. You're free to, to be a new person. You are a new person. You're free to live like a new person. Romans 12 says, to don't be conformed to this world. Romans 12 too. But be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So there's something you need to know and you need to renew your mind with that you died with Christ. You're dead to sin and alive to God and you need to present your bodies. This is a holiness and sanctification does not come by coasting. There needs to be some intentionality in it. Okay? You just don't coast your way in the holiness. You need to respond to the Spirit's promptings and use the power of the Spirit available to you, the grace available to you. And, and be intentional about living a holy life. And that is God working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So here's, here's the application. And I'm going to finish here. Make war on sin by remembering your identity and status in Christ, relying on the grace of God and intentionally saying no to sin's lure. Intentionally saying no to sin's lure. If you grew up uh, in the t- around the time I did, there was a little saying back in school, you know, to uh, anti-drug saying, just say no, right? Dare. Just say no. Just say no. All right? That's, that sounds really simple and really easy, but I don't want to presume that that's been the case for you as a Christian because I know that, that this fight against sin is a struggle is a battle. I don't want to come across as oversimplifying the struggle of being sanctified because it is a struggle. It is a process. And you know what? God's patient. God's gracious. He'll work, he'll work with you. 
Okay, invite him in, though. Don't don't keep him out and be like, I got this closet. I got this room, Jesus. Uh, You get the other ones. Okay, let him in every room, every place of your heart, every place of your life. Talk to him about it. Bring it to the light. Let him bring the power of his grace, the power of his blood, the power of the gospel to bring salvation to you in every respect. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this truth is glorious. This is good news for us. Freedom, forgiveness, fellowship with you. A secure place in you. And a foundation to stand and fight against sin. Thank you that Christ is our rock our cornerstone and we say our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness and so Lord may that righteousness be manifested in our thinking speaking and living fill us with the fruits of righteousness and right now today we present our bodies to you our members to you as instruments of righteousness. And we ask for your forgiveness and your cleansing where we have presented our bodies to be instruments for sin. We want to take you seriously, take the sin seriously that nailed Jesus to the cross and turn from it and live the life that you died for us to live for. we sing this next song and you need prayer, you need grace to overcome your sin struggle, you need God to intervene and break the power of sin's stronghold in your life we want to pray for you we want to invite you up to the front don't be ashamed if you have a struggle if you need prayer we want to pray for you right here worship team leads us by his stripes we are healed by his nail pierced hands we're free by his blood we're washed clean now we have the by his stripes by his stripes we are healed by his nail pierced hands we're free by his blood we're washed clean now we Okay.